Let's go to Colossians 2, 7 through 8. Look what he says. Therefore, as you have received the Messiah Yeshua as Lord, so continue to walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in your faith, just as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. See that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception. According to the tradition of men and the basic principles of the world rather than Messiah. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, don't get caught up in the philosophies. Don't get caught up in the empty deceptions. The deceptions that's taking you away from the true root of Yeshua, the true word of God, and the traditions of men. We also, we know how Halloween and other holidays coming up. He says, these are traditions of men. Be careful not to go after the traditions of the foreign nations. And we're no longer called Gentiles or foreigners. We're called believers of God. And foreigners were always what was called, Gentiles were always called those separated from God's word. They were foreign to his word. So look here, he says in Colossians 2.16, Therefore, do not let anyone pass judgment on you in matters of food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or Shabbat. These are the foreshadowing of things to come, but the reality is Messiah. Now, this is, we take this as, okay, we're free to eat anything. That's not what it's talking about. He's saying, don't let anybody judge you, whether fasting, whether you're eating and drinking, what you do on the certain holy days. This is what he's saying. And in respect to a festival, which is the holy days, or a new moon, or Shabbat. So don't let anybody judge you. New moon was a service that they did in Israel during the time in Jerusalem. They did it anytime there's a new moon. And, you know, today we'll have people get caught up in a lot of arguments. Uh, you know, well, which was the really holy, which, when is the holy days? When is the holy days? Well, the holy days are simple. Most holy days, there's some holy days that it always falls on a new moon. Kind of interesting, right? So I'm not saying we're following the lunar calendar. I mean, what I'm saying is we're following God's calendar. So anyways, don't get caught up in these things. He says, these are foreshadowing of things to come, but the reality is Messiah. So, and no matter what, we know that at, at the end of uh, Isaiah 66, he says, from one new moon to the next, one Shabbat to the next, everyone will come to worship me in my presence. And he says in, in Zechariah 14, that those who don't come to worship him on Sukkot will not see rain. Rain is blessings. It's his showers. It's his spirit. And that's, that's what it represents. But the, the reality is a Messiah. These are a foreshadowing of things to come. Now, we can't keep the holy days perfectly, and we'll try to, uh, you know, try to justify our actions because, well, I'm keeping a holy day, so I must be righteous. Not necessarily. We can't keep it perfectly because some holy days, you have to be in Jerusalem with the temple. He says, we are the temple. So these are foreshadowing things to come. It's good to keep the holy days. Absolutely. These, we should be keeping it rather than the world's traditions, but these are foreshadowing of the things that are coming. The reality is Messiah, and he's going to show us truly what it means in the days ahead. Let's go to Colossians. Let's go to Colossians here. Uh, 3 1. Look what he says. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Messiah, keep seeking the things above, where Messiah is sitting at the right hand of God. Look what he's saying. Focus your mind on the things above, not on things on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Messiah in God. And Messiah, who is your life, is revealed when you also will be revealed with him in glory. 
Therefore, put to death what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desire, and greed, for that is idolatry. Because of such things, God's wrath is coming upon the sons of disobedience. At one time, you walked in all these ways. These are the ways of foreigners, the Gentiles, right? When you used to live in these ways, but now set them all aside, anger, rage, malice, slander, and foul language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another. After all, you have been taken off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self that is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of the one created in him. Now, this is not just knowledge that we just, we can keep gaining according, it is boosting us up in pride. This is the knowledge of God that keeps us humble, that keeps us in the righteousness, that forsakes the old way, the old flesh, and is created in his spirit through his image. Now look what he's saying. The one who created him, verse 11, here there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, savage, slave, and free, but Messiah is all and in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy, dear, and dearly loved, clothe yourselves in the tender compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Look what he's saying. Bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Forgiving each other. If anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord pardoned you, so also you must pardon others. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfect harmony. Let the shalom of Messiah rule in your hearts, the peace of Messiah. To this peace, shalom, you were surely called in one body. Look what he says. And also be thankful. Let the word of Messiah dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another with all his wisdom and psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. This is, he's telling us, Sing songs of joy to each other, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It's not the Hillsong type happy music that you're hearing in the songs. It's a bunch of new age. No, it's, it's, he's saying the psalms, the wisdoms. I, I re, I, there's a, song, a group, long ago, there's a group back in the 80s I recently came across. And the power, uh, how much spirit was in it, how much power and how much we've drifted away from that. The music today is devoted to us, you. It's not devoted to him. It's not glorifying his name. There's so much soul and passion in the music in the early days and how quickly, just in a de- two decades, we quickly drifted apart. We're on a fast decline, but he's coming back. Look what he says, verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Yeshua, giving thanks to the God and Father through him. Let's go to 1 Timothy 1 through 3. Look what he says. As I urge you, When I was leaving for Macedonia, stay in Ephesus to direct certain people not to pass on different instruction. Don't pass on different instruction. That's what he's saying. Or to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies. Now, genealogies are, it's useless speculations. They said, look what he says. These give rise to useless speculations rather than God's training, which is in faithfulness. Now, useless speculations in the Greek is dispute. It's questioning for debate or controversy. How many today have a heart of debate or controversy? They're not truly trying to understand. 
What do you mean? What do you mean when he says here? Which of the 613 can you keep? Commandments can you keep? I don't know. Maybe if you humble ourselves, maybe God will just show you. You'll naturally do it. But in the rebellion, you're going to go, again, questioning for debate, controversy. Genius, genealogies are bloodlines and lineages from a generation of descent. Today, people argue about who's the real Jews and the percentage of Jewish that they are. We'll argue all day. There's, there's many different divisions out there. Well, you know, we're the real Jews. They're not. I don't know. God brought the Jews back to Israel, so I don't know. He's bringing his people back as one. Gentiles into one body in unity. But only the, the, the Satan could bring that dividing wall back up that Yeshua brought down and divide people again. <laughs> now look at today. Myths. Our speech, words, sayings, stories, fiction, fables, falsehood, and invention. It's an invention of your mind or heart. While many want to teach the law or be teachers of the word of God, but destroy the word and misunderstand what it says. Hmm. Now look at here. Now look at here. The now, the goal of this command is love from a pure heart, verse 5, and a clear conscience and genuine faith. Some, having missed a mark, have turned away to fruitless discussion, discussion Wanting to be teachers of Torah, the law. But they do, do not understand what they're keeping or what they, or what they so dogmatically assert. And why do they do this? The goal is love from a pure heart, clear conscience, and genuine, sincere faith. Without those qualities, you will be tossed into from every deception doctrine. As James says in chapter 4, verse 14, as a result, we will no longer be to, to, to be like children, Tossed around by the ways and blown all over by every wind of the teaching, by the trickery of men and cunning and deceitful scheming. Verse 13, until we eat, reach, all reach the full faith in unity, in unity and faith. You see where he's, where he's going here. You see, if we are, the ones that missed the mark are being tossed into from every doctrine, every belief, every deception, they're not fully planted in the root of God in, on the firm foundation, but they're like sand. When the weather blows, when the storms come, when the waves rage, it's going to test your foundation. <laughs> it's got to be in Yeshua. You, this is the thing. If we truly are rooted in him, have the true faith, we're walking in him, we will not be deceived. But look what he says, Ephesians four seventeen. So I tell you this, indeed, I insist on it. The Lord walk no, in the Lord, walk no longer as the pagans do stumbling around in the futility of their thinking. In the Greek, futility is devoid of truth, perverseness, depravity, immoral, and character, weakness of effort, energy, enthusiasm, and strength. Verse 18, they're darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance in them due to the hardness of their heart. Understanding in Greek is way of thinking, feeling, desires, its thoughts, and it's the mind. And hardness in Greek is stubbornness and mental discernment. It's the perception, and one's mind has become weakened by blindness. See that? Since they are past feeling, look what he says. They have turned themselves over to indecency for the practice of every kind of immorality with greed for more. Past feeling in the Greek is a cease, is to cease feeling pain or grief 
and it's apathetic. Look what he's saying. Look what he's saying. However, you did not learn in this way. If indeed you have heard in him and taught in him, as the truth is in Yeshua, with respect to your former lifestyle, you are to lay aside the old self, corrupted by its deceitful desires. Deceitful desires in Greek is the same word meaning is in word meaning from Adam and Eve in the garden. It's a longing and a craving for what is forbidden. It's lust, which is a strong desire for sexuality, an object, money, or power, just like in the garden, which is why he says, old self corrupted by its desires. Look what he says. That's what he says right here, corrupted by its deceitful desires. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind, 24. And put on this new self created to like, be like God in his true righteousness and holiness. In Greek, righteousness and holiness is a condition acceptable to God. It's in all its purity in life, correct thinking, feeling, acting, justice, and virtue. A doctrine, a reverence, a belief, and qualities, which leads one to be able to attain a state and condition approved by God. Look what he says, verse 25. So lay aside lying. And each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one body. Be angry, yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, nor give the devil a foothold. Look at this. Foothold in Greek means an opportunity. It's a power, a license, an occasion for acting, or a place or room. In other words, do not let him have a place inside your flesh, mind, heart, and corrupt your, the soul. If he can grab you by your anger, he will control every aspect of your heart and heart. To cause backsliding. Though you or we can know the grace of God, he will corrupt every good seed and fruit by the wormwood of bitterness and evil. That's why there's a rule in our house even. If there's a there's disagreement ever, we never let the sun go down angry. We always talk it out, and so must believers do to say, because why? It's to protect us. He's telling us, because guess what? You might start, if the sun goes down, you're like, well, this person really hurt me. Can you believe, you see, you're going to start dwelling on it. Rather than the things above, you're going to start dwelling about what this person did or how they hurt you. Guess what? The devil has worked his way in. It's going to start leading you away from the grace of God. So look what he's saying. Look, let's go to verse 28. The one who steals must steal no longer. Instead, he must work doing something useful with his own hands. So he must have something to share with the one who has need. Let no one harmful word come out of your mouth, but only what is beneficial for building others up according to the need, so that it gives grace to those who hear it. Look at that. Do not grieve the Rakh HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Grief means bring sorrow. Like God was sorrowful for, sorrowful for making man. It says, it's nor offend the Holy Spirit, which is to feel upset, annoyed, or resentful for desiring the ways of the old life and the flesh. For we were sealed by the Holy Spirit, waiting for the day of redemption, which sealed is to prove, test, 
and confirm a person to see if they are truly marked by God's seal or another seal such as the mark of the beast. Now, I'm not saying, look, it's spiritual before it comes physical, always. Where, what does it mean? Where is one's loyalty and dedication? Where is one's strength? For redemption in, in Greek is deliverance, releasing from payment. Yeshua Jesus paid the price, yet we are ransomed by him until salvation. We will receive our glorified bodies. For just as Exodus 13, 12 through 13 required a firstborn male animal from the womb and to break its neck to be redeemed, so was Yeshua. Many Jews claim in Psalm 49, 7 through 8, no man can ransom himself for his brother, but that's because no man could go to jail or die for another person's sin. Sin would still abound and no man was perfect to cease from sin dwelling. In the lawbreaker's fleshly body, the man would go sinning without a power to break free from sin. So what did Yeshua do? Look what he says. Titus 2.14. He gave himself to us so that he might redeem us. There's redeem. From every lawless deed and so that he might purify for himself a chosen people zealous for good deeds. Now look what he's saying. Titus 2.11 through 13. We'll back it up. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, training us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live in a manner that is self-controlled and righteous and godly in this present age. We wait for the blessed hope and appearance and glory of our great God and Savior, Messiah, Yeshua. You see, there's many religions out there. Yes, you can learn to do some good deeds. You can learn some morality, some. You might do some great things, some good things. But what is the thing that other religions do? That you don't get through Yeshua. You don't have a power to forgive. You don't have a power to love or pray for your enemies. There's no power to truly have a, walk out his commandments. Or when you sin, you're like, ooh, it's like a stab in the heart. It's like, you have that. You have that. There's a conscience that's like, I got to get back. God, forgive me. See, before, we, many times there was no conscience. You kept doing it over and over again, right? I think we all have been there. We all went over the futility of our minds, own deception of our minds, own way of thinking, own hearts. But look what he said. <laughs> Self-control, righteous and godly in this present age. This is the power he gave us to do. This is the grace of God. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32. Look what he says. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and quarreling and slander. Along with all malice, instead be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving each other just as God and Messiah also forgave you. 1 Peter 1.18. You know that you're redeemed from the futile way of life. Futile in Greek is devoid, which is devoid of all truth. It's handed down from your ancestors, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with precious blood like that of the lamb without spot, defect, defect or spot, the blood of Messiah. He was chosen before the foundation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your trust and hope are in God. Now that you have been purified and your souls in obedience to the truth, 
leading to sincere brotherly love, love one another fervently from a pure heart. What are we saying? For as Matthew 20, 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And as 1 John 3, 16 through 18 says, we have come to know love by this. Yeshua laid down his life for us. And we also have to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. 17, if, any, if someone has material possessions and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Children, let us not love with word or talk, but in deed and truth. Look <laughs> what it says, Romans 12, 1 through 2. I urge you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what the will of God is, acceptable and perfect. Let me lay this down. Look what he's saying. Romans 12, 4 through 12. Look what he's saying. For just as we have many parts in one body, and all parts do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Messiah. One body in Messiah and every parts of one another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace that was given to us in prophecy, proportion to our faith. If service in our service, or the one who is teaches in his teaching, or the one who exhorts in his ex- exhortation, the one who gives in generosity, the one who leads with diligence, the one who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy, detesting what is evil. We're to detest what is evil. But love what is good, holding fast to what is good. Be tenderly devoted to one another in brotherly love. Outdo one another in giving honor. Do not be lagging in zeal and be fervent in spirit. Keep serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, enduring in distress, persisting in prayer, contributing to the needs of the Kedoshim, the holy ones, the saints, extending hospitality. Now honor in Greek is humble respect and submission. This is what he's telling us to, to, how to love each other, how to look up to one another, how to treat each other. In the Greek, is humble respect and submission. It's to esteem someone as higher than oneself and precious. Zeal in Greek is great energy or enthusiasm, pursuit of a cause or objective with fervency, which is displaying passionate intensity, hot, burning, or in glowing. That's why when Moses came down from the top of the mountain, he's glowing. There was a fire. There was zeal. And what happened when he came down and seen the false idols? He was zealous and broke the tablets. It was not just because he was, he was zealous. I'd be, I'd be kind of concerned if there's somebody, you know, let's turn to John 1, 1 today. Okay, that's not going to do anything. There's got to be a zeal. There's got to be fervency. It's got to be passion. That's why preaching is not a profession, it's a passion. If we don't have passion, then don't be preaching. If you don't have a passion for God, don't be serving him. And if we are going to love one another and esteem others as greater than ourselves, then where is the humility? Where is the love of Yeshua? Is he dwelling in us? We can deceive ourselves with knowledge. 
We think of one more precious than one another. More precious than oneself. As God says in Philippians 2, 3 through 4, do nothing out of selfishness or conceit, but with humility. Consider others as more important than yourselves. Looking out not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which also was in Messiah Yeshua. Hey, you all paid attention, okay? Philippians 2, 6 through 8. Who, though existing in the form of God, did not consider being equal to God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking on the form of a slave, becoming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Look at it. Humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You see that? We should empty ourselves out just like he did, as a slave to him, to love one another, honor one another, care for one another, cherish one another. The God of all gods came down and served us, not to be served. He served God. And in doing so, when you serve God at a true heart for God, you will serve others naturally. Love will come naturally. can't be fake. Philippians 2, 12 through 16. Therefore, my loved ones, just as you have always obeyed not only my presence, but now, even more, in the absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Fear in the Greek is reverence, while trembling is one who distrusts his own ability completely to meet all the requirements, but religiously does his utmost to fulfill his duty to serve and obey God. See, that's the heart. It's the utmost, it's, it, it will come from a pure heart. You don't have to ask which commandments you're going to keep. You're going to naturally know, and you're going to naturally want to do the things that please God. That's going to be in your heart. It's not, it's not going to be religious effort. It's going to come naturally. It's, you know, it's just like when you, Get excited to take a shower. You get excited to go walk in a park. You get excited to go travel somewhere. You're going to get excited to follow God and be zealous to do his, his, his work. To serve him. To have a relationship with him. And today, I, I, it's sad to say it, but many do not know the presence of God to even know if that's been, the conscience has been cut off. If the connection with God has been cut off because there's no relationship. But the moment you're in a pit and you're like, whoo! God, this is so hard for me. What am I going to do? I need you, God. And now you're serving him. Whether things are hard or good, serve him in all things. That's the way we should have a heart. Not just when things are hard, not just when things are good. Those that truly love him, they're going to work out the salvation, fear, and trembling. Knowing that only he can do the work through us, but you don't want to do everything you can to serve him. Look what he says. For the one working in you is both is God, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. In Greek, is debating, secret displeasure, and it's a grudging, refusing, and reluctant heart and spirit. Now, I'm going to say this again. It's debating, a secret displeasure, and it's a grudging, refusing, and reluctant heart and spirit. So that's why when somebody says, well, which other 613 can you keep? You're showing it. Again, you're coming with an arguing spirit. 
It's not a willing heart. It's not a willing spirit. So that's why he says, don't grumble and complain against one another. You know, it's just like when people come to me, well, what about the rapture? What about the rapture? Listen, I hope I'm wrong about that rapture, and I hope that everybody is right. I don't need to be right all the time, but will you endure until the end? That's the faith. Don't think you have it all figured out. Well, I would rather be taken up in a pre-trib rapture. That would be nice. It would be really great for us to not have to see everything in the world. But so hopefully you're right. (laughs) When it comes to the words of righteousness, if you're refusing, if there's a reluctant heart and spirit, be careful. Be careful. Check yourselves. Children of God in the midst. Look, he says, do not grumble. Do everything without grumbling and complaining. Verse 15. So that you might be blameless and innocent. Children of God in the midst of a crooked, twisted generation among them as you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life so that you may boast in the day of Messiah that I did not run or labor in vain. And blameless is without spot or defect, while innocent is unmixed with the world and evil. Innocent, pure in mind, without guile, and free of deception and dishonesty. Now look, now what happened to Judas when he had grumbling and arguing in his heart? With secret displeasure mixed in with the secret greed and deception without unity. Jealous over the treatment of Yeshua and the year's wages of oil poured on him. You see, the oil that was poured on, on Yeshua, he's like, leave her alone. He said, if we could have given that to the poor, he wouldn't have given it to the poor. People is going to do that today. Whoa. Why don't, you, why don't you use that money for this? Why don't you use your money for that? Well, you could always get a cheaper car. You always get a smaller house. Let's well, not judge what everybody has all the time or worry all the times what people are doing. We can all live a, a more humble life. We've got to be careful that we're not like Judas, jealous. We could have given that to the poor. Well, there's many today that say, well, if I got rich, I would give to the poor. You don't give to the poor now, so what makes you think you give to it when you're rich? It'll make you more of the son of a devil. Think about it. Judas was jealous because there's a year wage of oil that was poured, but when Yeshua is on the cross, he's smelling that aroma. He said, because of what she has done, she'll always be preached. Her name, what she has done, will always be preached forever. Generation to generation. Look what he's saying. You see, what was hidden in, in, in sin, that's been eating away at him. Jealousy over the position and power of Yeshua. Was he justified by faith and walked with Yeshua and heard his words? But what was truly faith? Did he see God, grace in the, uh, God, God's eyes and grasp onto his garments? Didn't he refuse sanctification and to surrender his will and hidden sin? Can't hidden sin betray Yeshua and all of our brethren, brothers and sisters, at the cost of our own seductions of the world and sin? Think about it. What happened to Joseph when his brothers were jealous over his prophetic gifts and special treatment by his father? You see, pay attention. His father showed him more love, more attention because of his gifts that God has given him. Be careful that we don't do that over each other. Wasn't he betrayed and sold for silver also, just like Yeshua was? 
Yeah, after the hard famine in the land, didn't they come humbly before Joseph, who, like Yeshua, forgave his brothers, and he forgave us? Think about this as we all have been betrayed by Yeshua and his response. Think about this. Joseph just buried his father like Yeshua was buried. Genesis 50, 15 through 21. Look what he says. When Joseph's brothers saw that they, their father had died, they said, maybe Joseph will be hostile towards us and pay us back in full for the evil he showed him. So they charged Joseph saying, before his death, your father gave a command saying, thus you must say to Joseph, please forgive, I beg you, the transgressions of your brothers and their sin because they treated you wrongly. Therefore, please forgive the transgression of servants of God of your father. Then Joseph wept. When they spoke to him and his brothers also came and fell down before him. And said, behold, we are your slaves. Look who he's saying. We're to be slaves of Yeshua. Falling down on our knees. We should be falling down now, not later. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. But why not do it now? But Joseph said to them, look at the mercy. He was in the image of Yeshua right here. Look what he's saying. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, for I am, in the, am I in the place of God? Yes, you yourselves planned evil against me. God planned it for good. In order to bring out about what is this day to preserve the lives of many people. Think about it. There's situations you may go through in life. It may be tough. It may be hard. People may plot evil against you and do mean and uh, horrific things to you. But what that happens is for evil, God always makes it for good. No matter what happens in your life. Look at that. Look what is it. Look at that. Joseph's heart. Yeshua's heart. Because it's to preserve the lives of many people. Joseph forgave his brothers who sold them, put them in a pit and sold them to some foreigners. Think about it in the days ahead. Joseph. Joseph. If that didn't happen to him, would he be able to save people in the famine? Remember that when people are against you, forgive them and pray for them. Because the time when the famine comes and it's coming, they're going to come back to you and be on their knees and say sorry. But are you going to be merciful? If you're not praying for them, how, how makes you think you're going to be merciful to them? Those who have mercy, God will give mercy. Those without mercy will have no mercy. If you can't forgive each other, he cannot forgive you. Look what he says, verse 21. So now don't be afraid. I myself will provide food for you and your little ones. Look at the compassion. So he reassured them and speak kindly to them. So don't be afraid. Yeshua will also give us food. But are you going to give food to your enemies? That's what he's asking. Romans 5.8. But God demonstrated his love towards us. And that while we're yet sinners, Messiah died for us. Romans 12.17. Repay no one evil for evil. Give thought to what is good. In the eyes of all people. 1 John 1.19. 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Matthew 5.7, blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Merciful in the Greek means compassion, which is suffering with one another. Look at this. What do you think he means? Compassion and mercy. Painful sympathy. It's distress or misfortune for another. It's mixed with deep sorrow and love with pain or regret for another. It can also be extreme distress for them. Don't ever negate the fact that boldness boldness is not weakness, nor is meekness weakness. Think about this. Boldness is not always unloving. This thing is, do you have compassion for the people you're speaking to? You should have a di- extreme distress, but do we have extreme distress for those who are lost, who are broken, or hurting? Even our enemies, why are we not sorrowful? Because they're lost just as we were lost. And what makes us right that we become more prideful just because we got it made? We get a little knowledge and we, got, we f- think we got it figured out. But we lose the mercy. Because things creep into our lives, hardships, things come in our lives. And it's hard to have that mercy. The devil's always trying to steal it. Compassion. It's distress or misfortune for another. Look at that. Mercy. Painful sympathy. He says, love love your brothers with mercy, even hating the garments that stain by their sin. You hate the sin, but you, you look, you still have mercy for the, the sinner. Glad I'm not Yeshua. I'm not, glad I'm not God. Because I don't think I'd be as long-suffering and patient as he has. But yeah, I still have a deep mercy and compassion when I see the lost and the broken. Why do you think? Look, at, let's go to the next one. Compassion for those without sound teaching and a leader. Matthew 9.36. When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. We say it. A shepherd in the east always cared for and was responsible to watch out for the enemies, trying to attack the sheep, defending them from attackers, healing the wounded and the sick sheep. Look, what do you think he's saying? Last days he said, I'd send out shepherds to gather the sheep as he is the good shepherd. Look what, there are always he, healing and wounding the sick sheep and finding the, and saving the lost or trapped sheep, sharing their lives with them and loving them and not breaking their trust. Compassion for the sick, Matthew 14, 14. As Yeshua came ashore, ashore he saw a large crowd and felt compassion for them and healed the sick. You see what he's saying? It's a deep stirring. It's an anguish. It's a, it's a mourning for the people. Matthew 20, 34, it's compassion for the blind. He was moved with compassion. Yeshua touched their eyes and they instantly regained their sight and followed him. Matthew 7, 11, compassion for the widows and the dead. Those are broken. Those are weeping. The next day, Yeshua traveled to a town called Nain. 
And coming along with him were his disciples in a large crowd. And just as he came near the town gate, behold, a dead man was being carried out. The son of his mother, a widow, a considerable crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, he felt compassion for her and said, don't cry. Then he came up and touched the coffin and the pallbearers came to a standstill. He said to the young man, I tell you, get up. The dead man sat up and began speaking and Yeshua gave him to his mother. Look at this, compassion for the lame and disabled. After this, there was a Jewish feast. We don't know what's Jewish feast, it doesn't matter. That's why the feast doesn't always matter. He wants a heart of compassion. He didn't say which feast. And people would sadly go to war over this. But look what he says. And Yeshua went up to Jerusalem. And now in Jerusalem, there is a pool by the sheep's gate called Bethsaida. In Aramaic, which has five porches. In these, a crowd of invalids was lying around, blind, lame, and disabled. Now a certain man had been invalid there for 38 years. Seeing him lying there and knowing he had been there a way a long time, Yeshua said to him, do you want to get well? The valid answered him, sir, have no way to put me in the pool. When the water is stirred up, I'm trying to get in somebody else steps down before me. Can you imagine that? Because everybody's trying to get their own blessing, their own healing by going to the water, but they just 38 years. Don't want care for this man. Everybody washed onto the water, but they're not helping to heal others. They want the healing Yeshua, but they don't return to him. Do you want to get well? He's asking. But he has no one to get bring him to the waters. Yeshua tells him, look who Yeshua went to, not those. The others are rushing. He went to this man. Yeshua tells him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Immediately the man was healed. He took up his mat and started walking around. Now that day was Shabbat. So the Judean leaders that had all this knowledge were saying to the man who was healed, it's Shabbat, it's not permitted for you to carry your mat. Can you imagine that? He says, which one of you will not go and gather your last sheep that fell into a hole? That's what he's saying, you're protecting the sheep. Which one of you will not, he's the, he's the Lord of the Shabbat. It doesn't mean we don't stop keeping Shabbat, but look what he's saying. Glorify me. Love, mercy, compassion, and justice. He says, First Peter 4, 8. Now the end of all things is near, so be self-controlled and sober-minded for prayer. Above all, keep your love for one another constant, for love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable one and to another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of the many-sided grace of God. Whoever speaks, let it be to the one speaking the utterances of God. Let it be a voice, a speech from, of God. Whoever serves, let it be by the strength that God supplies. So in all things, may God be glorified through Messiah Yeshua. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen.
Hebrews 10.34 says, And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good deeds. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore encourage one another and build each other up, just as you, in fact, are doing. 1 Corinthians 16.13-14, he says, Be on alert. Stand firm in faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. That all that you be you do be done in love. This is who Yeshua was. But why do you think he's called the Pharisees snakes? And sons of the devil. He got so jealous, he said, I could raise children up from these rocks. Why do you think he said that? So he's hitting the heart, the will, the mind, the stubbornness. Their hearts are rocks like Pharaoh's, but it couldn't be budged. Whoa, he says. Those those in Tyre and Zidon, if they had received this message, woe to Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have been saved. They would have been saved. If that generation had been there. But look, they killed the prophets. They killed the true words. They get rid of mercy and compassion. No compassion. This is why knowledge can kill you if it's not the true heart of God. They were mad because he healed on Shabbat. Who in God's name would be mad because somebody healed on Shabbat? Someone can judge all they want, but if I see somebody in need, I'm going into a store and I'm buying anything that they need to help that person out. But you just broke the Sabbath. Look what Romans 13, 10 says. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fullness of the Torah. It's the law. 1 Peter 3, 8. Finally, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, tenderhearted, humble-minded. Do not repay evil for evil or insult for insult, but give a blessing instead. It is for this reason you were called so that you might inherit a blessing. Now, some people might say, but didn't he insult the Pharisees? They're insulting God every day. Who do you think he was looking out for? The blind, the meek, the lame, the humble, the brokenhearted. That's who Yeshua was looking out for, his shepherd, caring for the sheep that were being separated. Why do you think they were selling stuff in the temple? It's just as many t- churches a day selling stuff. All the time. But they're not preaching the true word of God just as the Pharisees weren't. They were showing them, though they were saying, he says, do what the Pharisees say, but don't do what they do. Because they were teaching the word of God, but they're also adding on the commandments of man. So he says, do not do what they do. And their hearts are wicked. They were not humble. They were not compassionate. There was no justice. According to the true laws of God, it was whatever they felt was right, looked right, seemed right, deemed right, believed was right, felt was right. We have to not argue about and, and be jealous or envy each other's in our gifts. First Corinthians 12 always talks about the gifts that God has given each one of us. These are just a few. Paul could not list them all. 
but we're all working together as a body. We're all working together to build the temple. If we stop trying to be the temple, meaning that you're just one temple according to God, and your most favorite, cha- cherished, say hello, your most precious treasure. Yes, we are, but we all are the body. So we work together and function as one. So you may be a little du- speck on the tile. Another one may be another speck on, on the rock. Another one may be a rock. Another person may be a part of the wall of the temple. But we're all working together to bring in the presence and glory of God. So if this one has a certain gift, spur them, encourage them, do good deeds. Continue to encourage you to keep glorifying God's name. We got to start thinking kingdom-minded in unity according to God's ways. Start thinking about the things above. Start living in the heart of Messiah, the steps of Messiah. Start having the mind of Messiah. Start praying that God, if you don't, we don't have this, that we pray, God, I want to see what through the eyes that you see. I want to feel the things that you feel. I want to do, do the things that you do. If you start meeting that in your heart, you're going to see things that you have never seen. First Corinthians 13, 1 through 7. If I speak to the tongues of men and the angels, but I do not have love, but I have not love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I ha- have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I own, and if I hand over my body so that I might boast, but have not love, I gain nothing. We can sacrifice. We can speak prophecies. We can have all no mysteries and knowledge, just signs and wonders. We can see all these things. We can know everything in the Bible. We can even have faith to move mountains, to change kingdoms, to change our environment, to change states, countries, nations. But what about love? If we give everything that we own, we can give our 10% and so much more. But if we give away everything and still not have love, then it's vanity. Look what he says, verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not brag. It is not puffed up. It does not behave inappropriately. It does not seek its own way. It is not provoked. It keeps no account of wrong. That's a big one. We keep track of the wrongs people have done. But what about forgiving? How would that make you feel if Yeshua kept reminding us every time? Remember this, son. The devil will, but God won't. He will always say, I've forgiven you. It does not behave inappropriately. It does not keep count of wrong. It does not rejoice over injustice, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things. It bears all things. You see that? He says, bear one another's burdens. 
Please all things that hope. So we're going to need hope in the days ahead. If we have these things, if we bear all things now, if we believe all things now, if we hope all things now, we will endure all things even until the end. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Look what he says. But now these three remain in faith and hope and love. And the greatest of these is love. Love is which is honor, affection, charity, kindness, friendly, helpful, cooperative attitude. It's unselfish. It's self-giving. It's willful devotion and concern for the welfare of others. How many of us just go to our brothers? How's your relationship with God? What about our sisters? How, how's everything going in life? How many of us just walk by? Oh, it's, how, how's everything? Good. We don't even think about it. We're just so in tune to say because we're living in a fast-paced fast, fast life. But how many is actually concerned? How are you really doing? Are you sincerely, are you okay? It comes from the heart. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. This is what we need to be praying for. I pray for it, and I, I, I believe all of us should be. But the Galatians 5, 23 to 23, by the fruit of the rock, the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there, there is no law. You see, Paul mentioned how he was, he was warring about, against another law in the Romans. People say, saying that's done with the way of the law. The law is not done away with what's written on the heart. You know that adultery is wrong. You know that stealing and robbing is wrong. You know that murder is wrong. You know that unforgiveness is wrong. But he gives us a power. This is what his power is to do. It'll always try to bring us back. His spirit is always bringing us back into love, to joy, to peace, to patience, to endure all things, and patience with each other. It's going to be kindness and goodness, faithfulness, which is obedient no matter what, gentleness and self-control. Self-control is having control over the passions and desires of our flesh. Having self-control over the temptations of this life. God is going to give us his, his grace that we need in the, in the times of our weakness. If we keep the faith in him, there's nothing that we can't overcome. It's through him and by him. In his grace alone, can we do it so that no man can boast? We can't boast that we have kept his laws, that we have done this. Is it us doing it or God doing it through us? Because before we all knew Yeshua, we were not that great of people. But if we continue in these things, against such things, there is no law. Paul was talking about that. Again, that's that warring, the warring. His body's wanting to do what is obedient to the law, but then there's another law inside of it, warring against each other. What is that law? It's the flesh and the spirit warring against each other. 
His mind is wanting to obey the law, but then there's a spirit t- telling him to do something else. The spirit of God is trying to tell him, walk in this way. While he's trying to focus on the laws, the spirit's trying to tell you, do this, do that. People say, look, he was struggling with sin. Not necessarily. We all have a conscience of the law. Once we know the law, we have a conscience, but it's going to war and tug at our hearts and our minds. The pride is going to try to rise up. Look, I kept this. I did this. But God says, this is what I'm telling you to do. If this is not there, then we are not in the the accordance of God's will, his purpose, his glory, his grace. The grace should be causing us to do these things. Self-control, upright, obedient lives, saying no to ungodliness and wickedness until we wait for the blessed hope of Yeshua's coming. We receive our glorified bodies. And right here, Galatians 5, 23 through 23, we know that these are the flesh and these are the spirit. 16 through 24, it's right there, it's clear. There's no other way. And we're going to know if we're in the perfect will of God. God is waiting for us to come to him. We can no longer walk in jealousy, strife. We can no longer walk in the worldly and human ways of walking and thinking. We have to be set apart. We got to start caring for one another and loving one another sincerely. Without hypocrisy. Not factions and feuding, not debating and and hating one another. God knows everything that's in us. He searches and tests the minds, even the depths of God. For among men knows the things of man, except the man's spirit within him. In the same way, no one knows the things of God except the Rock Elohim, the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. So we might come to know the things freely given to us by God. These things also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in the words taught by the Rock, the Spirit, explaining the spiritual to the, to the spiritual. And a natural man cannot understand it because they're foolish and they're not discerned but by the flesh. The spirit discerns the things of God, but the flesh cannot understand them. We can try everything we can in the the flesh to be justified before God, or even in our own hearts and minds. But if you're ever in doubt, go back to Galatians 5.22-24. Gentleness and patience and self-control. Joy, peace, these are our commandments. Happiness and joy is a commandment from God, all the way back to the Torah. And those that forgot that went in the other ways, other idols, other beliefs. God wants us to be patient, waiting for him. And that's what we're waiting for. We're all waiting. A day will come where he will come back for those have faith are patiently waiting, to ha- as walking in the Spirit and not in the flesh. Yivarecha Adonai v'yishmarecha. Yir Adonai ponevelecha v'chuneha. Yisa Adonai ponevelecha v'yishmarecha. Yisim lecha. Shalom. God bless you and keep you.
God be gracious and shine his face upon you, give you his mercy and his peace. Yeshua's name, amen.